everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. Thank you for joining us. Um, we are in a series now. We're called Finding the Balance. Where we're just kind of taking two sometimes seemingly contradictory truths or two difficult truths that are difficult to reconcile. And how do we bring some harmony to it? We talked about Jesus being full of both grace and truth and kind of bringing those two things together, being kind to somebody, but also being truthful with them about what they've done or how they've hurt us and how Jesus balanced those two things perfectly and how we want to model him. We also spent some time talking about this passage in James versus what Paul says about the relationship between our faith and our works and what saves us and what makes us righteous. How do we get justified and how faith and works go together? If you've not joined us for that, I encourage you to go back and just kind of catch up with us here. Um, but what we're talking about today, um, and this is great. I just, I just love this. Somebody's asked me the other day, kind of how I feel, uh, how do I enjoy these podcasts? And I'm like, man, there's just nothing like trying to say in 20 to 25 minutes, kind of things that volumes of books are written about, right? Or whether it's kind of, you know, entire seminary classes are devoted to this topic, six to eight, nine, 10, 12 hour lectures are devoted to this. And like, hey, we're just going to sum all this up 20 minutes. And that's what we're doing today because we're going to spend some time talking about free will and predestination. And we're going to tell you everything that you could possibly need to know about that topic in the next 20 minutes. So enjoy your time in the car, enjoy your run, whatever it is you're doing, because when you get done with this, you're going to have a perfect understanding of this highly complex issue. (sighs) Not really. Okay. But we are going to try to put some things together. So we got this idea, like, right, is my life predestined? Do I legitimately have free will? You don't even have to be a Christian to ask these sorts of questions. I mean, there's really just this question of just like, is free will an illusion? Is, is, is my life predetermined? I mean, it's like, do I really have a choice? Like if you take God out of the situation at all, it's like everything about my life, so much about my life was kind of determined beforehand, like where I was born, who my parents are. I mean, I, I wasn't making any real choices for myself until I'm, I don't know, three, four years old. And and everything that I do and where I am is influenced by the countless decisions that other people are making. And is like, do I really, in a world as complex as this, where there is so little that I have any real freedom over, it, can it really be said that I have free will? I mean, these are the kinds of questions that people ask, or is this kind of our outcomes predetermined? Now, man, every, every movie, TV show, everything out there has kind of got multiverse things going, got time travel in it. You're just trying to figure out like, oh, if I did this instead of this and this happened, you got all these splinter ideas out there, alternate timelines. You know, there's just a lot of that in pop culture right now. And it's like, you know, is that, is that the way the world works? It's like, I, I, I make decision A and my life goes this way. I make decision B and it goes this way. Or is it like, hey, it was always going to be decision A. It was never going to be decision B. And there's really only one way this was going to go. And now you start adding God into the situation, the creator of the universe. Does the creator God of the universe have a say in this? And does what he says and what he does determine what happens? And so, you know, how free am I really? And so here's what we're going to do. I mean, we're, we're going we're gonna to try to narrow this a little bit and still get really, really controversial. And we're just going to spend some time specifically around the idea of salvation. Is your choice you are saved, is it because of a choice that you made to receive Christ, to believe in him, or is it something that God had predetermined? So we're just going to look at a few really important verses first 
And, um, and we're just, we're just going to let these things kind of speak for themselves for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. So we'll go to the, the more controversial side first. It would not be controversial at all for me to say, hey, you, you made a decision and you, you, have, you have some freedom over your own decision-making. No one would find that controversial except your hardcore Calvinist. If you don't know what a Calvinist is, that's fine. It comes from John Calvin. He was one of the people around the Protestant Reformation and his followers after him really kind of become known for being really, really strong in the realm of predestination and just really believing that. So other than that, you're not really going to offend anybody by saying that there is free will. But nonetheless, we're going to look here some of the more controversial things. So I'll start, okay, we'll start with it. We'll start with the lesser um, controversial thing, and then um, we'll get to the more controversial one, then we'll just keep going. Romans chapter 8. Here's everybody's favorite verse to not know what it really means. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So basically what he's saying here is not everything is good, but that God is always working for your good. And so he's saying, if you are called, if you are one of God's called ones, you're called by his purpose, then he is always working all the time. No matter what is happening in your life, he's always working. He's always working for your good, right? That's what he's saying. He's not saying he's going to make everything good. Everything is good. He's working for your good in everything. In everything, he's working for your good. Verse 28, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. All right. Let's just kind of drill down his. It says, for those God foreknew, Basically bringing the idea of people who are called according to his purpose, that there is a group of people out there that God knew in advance were going to be his called ones, the ones that would follow him. And I don't think that most people have a problem with this. Most people don't. That God is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He is all powerful. And he is aware of what people are going to do. He's not, people are saying he may not necessarily be controlling it, may not be predestined, but he obviously knows what's going to happen before it does. So he, there are a group of people out there that he foreknew were going to be his called ones. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Okay, what? Now he's saying, there's a group of people out there that God knew were going to be his called ones. And those people that he knew about, he predestined, he determined in advance that these were going to be the ones that were going to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so um, he's making people like Jesus. Jesus is going to be the firstborn. He's going to have a whole lot of brothers and sisters. And Jesus and God knew in advance about these people, and he predestined that those people that he knew about were going to become just like Jesus. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So we got this group of people that God foreknew and those people that he knew about in advance, he predestined them to make sure that they would be conformed to the image of his son. It says the predestined ones are also the ones he called and the ones he called are the ones that he justified, made right. The ones that he justified, he also glorified, made perfect in heaven with, with, with him. So basically what he's saying is like, if, if you are on God's train, you will always stay on God's train. So I use this mostly to describe that you can't lose your salvation because there are a group of people out there that God knew about in advance. And then he predestined 
them to make sure that they would make it to the finish line. So if you're on God's list, he predestined you to make it all the way to the finish line. So you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to make it to the finish line or not. It's already been determined. You will make it to the finish line if you are on God's team. And how do you get on God's team? You are called. How do you get called? You are predestined. I mean, it, it, it says it right there. And you have to do some pretty significant linguistic gymnastics to try to get that to say anything other than there are a group of people out there that God determined in advance were going to be the ones that made it all the way in. He continues on in Romans chapter 9 where it gets better or worse depending on your, um, your perspective. So let's go here in Romans chapter 9, um, starting in verse 6. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. Basically, just because you are son of or daughter of Abraham, just because you're an Israelite, doesn't mean that you're one of God's actual people. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it's the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this now, for this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. And here's where things get crazy. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say is God unjust? So we'll stop right there. So we said, basically saying, saying, election, this idea that God is choosing people. He's calling people based on his own ideas, not based on what you do. He is calling people. He is electing them. He's appointing them. It's a decision that he is making. And he did this, as he did this with Jacob and Esau before they were even born. It's Jacob, not Esau. They hadn't done anything, not based on anything they'd done. He picked, he picked. And so, and so then he says this, and he, and then Paul, imagining what people's response was going to be, he says this, oh, what shall we say then? Is God unjust? That's a reasonable question. So you, if you ask that question around predestination and you think, man, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem just. Okay. Paul anticipated that question. Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. That doesn't really help Paul, if we're just going to be honest. That's just saying the same thing a different way. They see, it's just God is choosing. I, I want to be merciful to this person. I don't want to be merciful to this person. I'm, I'm, choose, I'm choosing. I'm choosing. It's what he does. It's based on what he wants to do. I have compassion on whom I choose to have compassion. Basically, the first thing we need to understand here is that God is not doing anything bad to people that they don't deserve. Basically saying that everybody, basically, if we're, if we're going to only be determined what our life is going to be like is only going to be determined by our choices, then everyone is separated from God forever. But God is choosing some people and not choosing other people. That's not fair, you may say. And Paul's like, Bruh. verse 16, it does not therefore depend on human nature, but God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I'll raise you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, says it again, Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Uh, so I, don't, I don't like, he said it three times now, I haven't liked it any time. Uh, he knows that. Verse 19, one of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us for who is able to resist his will? Like, if, uh, how can God get us in trouble? If it's based on a choice that he made, then how can we get in trouble? And this is, this is the absolute worst part of this. You ready? No, you're not ready. 
Verse 20, but who are you a human being to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Basically, what he's saying here is that if you don't want God to pick people, then everybody's in trouble. And the fact that he picks some and not others may not be fair, but you can't say it's unjust because justice is everybody's in trouble. And Paul's saying he's choosing to be merciful. And any choice he makes to be merciful is a, is a choice of kindness. No one is in trouble because God chose them to be in trouble. He just didn't choose to rescue some. He didn't choose to be merciful to somebody. So there's 10 people, they are in trouble, they all did the same thing, and God chooses to forgive three of them and chooses not to forgive the other seven. Well, they, it, you know, that's not fair, it's not right. Okay, well, again, the punishment is based on what they've done, and God chooses to forgive some. So to the degree, he is, he's not being unjust to anybody. I mean, make sure we understand there's a difference. There's between just and fair. He's not being unjust. No one is getting punished for something that they didn't do. Everyone is being punished, that's being punished, being punished based on something they did. So he's not being unjust, but he is being unfair. He's being unfair. What does fair mean? Everybody gets the same thing. It would be more fair for him to not forgive anybody. That would be fair. It would be fair and just for him to forgive no one. I don't think anybody wants that. That's not what they mean. And what's fair when everybody gets the good thing? And God is choosing to not give everyone the good thing. And I don't know if I necessarily know how to tell you how to process that. Except that what he says here, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory? Like, so, I mean, we rebelled, we rebelled, and God is choosing to be patient with us. He's choosing to be patient, not destroying, loving, and then choosing to forgive some people as a demonstration of his mercy. And you could say, if you would like, that you wish God were more merciful, that you wish God were, um, were saving everyone, but it seems like he is choosing not to. And I think it is important. It is important for us to, because there, there really is some, again, there's some different balancing issues here too, just even in the free will predestination talk here. I mean, there is, there, there is a balance of understanding like, if no one faces any consequences for their sin, then is God just? If no one faces any consequence for their sin, was there ever really a consequence for sin? Was God, was, were we ever really separated from God? If God is always going to give in to everyone, if, if, if you are merciful to everyone, are you being merciful? I mean, is there, there's a sense in which like sin has consequence. An offense against God is harmful to you and it is destructive, and it is offensive to God. And people need to be punished for that. And God is choosing to save some people. I think there's, I mean, we, we may just have to add this to the list. We may just add this to, to the future to really kind of understand this balance between the unconditional love of God and the holiness of God. So we'll pause that for a second and kind of tease it for, for a podcast in the future. But it seems like here, what we've got between Romans 8 and 9, that we've got some pretty strong statements that are being made about um, 
predetermined, that, that, that your situation with God is predetermined. But I would also like to read some other verses in John uh, chapter 1, verse 12, which we looked at um, in the very first week of this series, if you were joining us for that. Verse 12 says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How did they become children of God? By believing in him, by receiving him. I receive him, I accept him as the son of God, and I believe in him, and I trust in him. By a decision that I make to believe and to receive in him, I am granted the right to become a child of God. It does not say that I become a child of God by a predetermined process that doesn't have anything to do with the decision I make to choose to follow God. It says that it is based on the fact that I believe. I believe and I trust. I receive him, and therefore, I become a child of God. The very first sermon that is preached in Acts chapter 3 by Peter, this is right after Pentecost. Um, the Holy Spirit has come. These people are attracted to this. Like, what is all this noise? How is it these people are um, speaking in these different languages? It's Acts chapter 2. I'm not sure why I said Acts chapter 3. And so uh, Peter is addressing them. He's giving them the sermon. He's talking about, essentially, I mean, the first part of it is like, um, how dare you do to Jesus what you did? I mean, how, you, you hurt him. You, you crucified him. Like, he was, I mean... He's not talking like in the past tense that, you know, you're the descendants of these people. He's actually talking to the people who were like literally there. And so it's pretty harsh. And he says, but you, what you did, this was to the Messiah, but this had to happen for these reasons. Da, 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 da. Verse 38, Peter, uh, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the, whole, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, a very cause and effect kind of deal. You repent of your sins, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit will come. You'll be forgiven. Um, and uh, the sermons that Peter gives, I mean, they all essentially have this, this idea where it's like he, he, is, he is speaking to people and he's like, hey, you need then, uh, uh, Acts chapter 3, the very next, and then another sermon from Peter, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I mean, repent. You have a decision to make. You have, a, you have a decision to make to turn away from your sin. You have a decision to make to believe. You have a decision to make to receive Jesus. These are things that you do. And if you do these things, God will do this thing in you. There is a very cause and effect here. And so you're left with the question, is this something that God predetermined or is this something that I chose? And what if I were to say to you that the answer to that question is yes? Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, bro. I mean, you got you to gotta know this is coming. Are you paying attention? You're paying attention, right? Do you even look at the names of the series? Do you hear the intro? Finding the balance, right? Of course you knew this is where this was going to come down. And it's, this is not some sort of, and some people will do this, man. If you don't take a strong position, right? You don't take a strong position that you're somehow cowardly. I am, I believe in predestination. I believe in free will. What if I believe in both of those things? Why do you believe in both of them? Because the Bible teaches both of those things, that God chose me in advance and I chose him. Why, why, do, why does that have to be difficult? Why does it have to be difficult? From my perspective, from my perspective, I'm living my life. I'm living my life. And from my perspective, um, my choices affect my life. Um, my brain wouldn't shut off last night. It happens sometimes on Sunday nights. This is, for me, it is a Monday my brain wouldn't shut off, and it took me forever to go to sleep. Now, the decision 
I guess I mean, we say you didn't make a decision, but anyways, the fact that I didn't sleep, it affected my day today. It's made me kind of tired and what I chose to eat for breakfast and what, what snacks I'm choosing to have and how much water I'm drinking. All these things are kind of affecting my energy level for today, right? All these things have effect. How I choose to text or not text, call or not call my wife during the day is going to affect the kind of evening that I have. Like, and the kind of mood that I'm in is going to affect the way that I treat my daughter when I get home. And that's going to affect all sorts of things. And like, and, and my life, as I'm walking through my life, every ch- choice that I make has consequences in my life. And whether or not I choose to put my faith in Jesus Christ has real consequences for my life. The Holy Spirit came. I was forgiven. And it was because I made these choices. That's from my perspective. From God's perspective, is God's perspective on this situation different? Does he look at history different? Does he look at the universe different? Does God look at time differently? Does God see time as one thing that happens all at once? Or is God progressing through us with time? This is a really important concept. And I can't go into it too much because I desperately need a whiteboard, which is probably my number one frustration with um, podcasting is that I can't draw on a whiteboard. Number two is that there's no one here except Isaac, the sound engineer. He's right there. Um, there's, no one, there's no one here, right? And so, but you need to understand, like, let's talk about this, like a parade. You're sitting at a parade. What does it mean? You're sitting there on the curb, standing there in the crowd. And you see a parade. It's like, oh, there's a float. There's a float. There's the cheerleaders. There's the band. There's the police. There's horses, right? You see these things one at a time. That's how we perceive a parade. And that's how we perceive life. Today is Monday. Tomorrow's Tuesday. Tomorrow's then it's Wednesday, Thursday. I'm 10 years old. I'm 11 years old. I'm 12 years old. And I'm progressing. There's a past. I have a past. I have a present. I have a future. You could also get in a helicopter and watch a parade from the sky. And now you're watching one thing. The parade is one thing. You are seeing it all at once. What if time and the universe is like that for God? We are on the curb watching the parade go by. And God is in the helicopter and he sees it all at once. And so from God's perspective, everything is predetermined. And this was by his own choice because he created it. He created everything and he created it all at once. And so there is a sense in which it is predetermined from God's perspective. From your perspective, you are creating the parade. You are. Your decisions are changing it from your perspective. And you need to live as if your decisions make a difference. You are not meant to live from God's perspective. God already knows what's going to happen, so it doesn't matter what I do today. That is just, that's, just, that's just really bad logic. I need to live as if the decisions I make today are going to affect my tomorrow because they do. And I trust that the God of the universe is holding all of this together and that he's got me and that he is, in fact, working in all things for my good. And so that my bad decisions are not crippling and that he is always working for good. And so I can understand, I can put these things together. I can believe in a big God who is more than this universe, who is more than time, who oversees all of it, who created everything and every win all at once. And I can trust in a big God and I can trust in a complex idea that I don't fully and completely understand. And I can live a life as if what I do affects my life and the lives of others because it does. I am creating this timeline. There's a multiverse or not, I don't know about it. And to the degree that everything is predetermined, I don't know about that either. I don't know that. It says that, I believe that, but that's not where I live. I live in today. And I know that what I do today affects tomorrow. And I know that the way that I treat the people around me is going to affect them and have a long-term consequence on them for generations to come. And I know that what I do, it matters. And I know 
that I personally put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that he changed my life because I did. And the fact that from his perspective, this was always going to happen and I was chosen by him in advance, that's, that, that's what he's doing. But what I'm doing is I'm trusting. And so I think it is important to understand this issue. I, see, I, I, I can see that God's perspective is different than mine. I can see that. And that makes me believe in a big God and I trust him. But I am living my life from my perspective. And I think that just can kind of help us just kind of put these things to balance. Because again, most of us, except for extremists on both sides, there are very there are few people who believe only in free will and there's nothing predestination, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then there are people like everything is predestined and that's all that matters. Most people are trying to figure out how to put these two things together, understanding that you get a big enough God and think there's going to be some things that are predetermined, but it also seems like that my choices make a difference. And, you know, and people are, I'm 80% predestination, I'm 20% free will, I'm 60-40, I'm 70-30, I'm two to one, like whatever, right? But there has, to be, there has to be a sense in which I'm willing to try to reconcile both of these truths. But what's even more important is I recognize that both of these things are true, that I am pl- applying them the right way. I believe in free will. That doesn't mean that the future is exclusively in my hands, and so I should feel anxious. No, I think about that God's got this, and I trust him and his goodness and his big picture plan that I don't understand, okay? And so... The fact that I recognize that I have free will informs me to live a better life. And as I think about predestination, it doesn't make me think that my life doesn't, that uh, there's no consequences for my actions or that God can't judge me or that whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So I might as well just do whatever. That's not the right application from that. The right application is trust and rest and belief and worship in a God that is infinitely bigger. Because we can scratch at this. Like, you come and say, wow, man, God's bigger than I thought. I never thought about him being outside of the timeline, you scratch at that, God's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it is important for us to make the right application. So I hope you have enjoyed this series so far. Again, we're going to keep going for the next few weeks and um, uh, talking about ways that we can put things in balance. And so I encourage you to keep joining us. And I encourage you, man, we'd love to see you on a Sunday. If you are not a part of the Grove and you live in Northwest Arkansas, We'd love to see you. Come to thegrovechurch.org slash connect and um, can plan your visit that way. And we would love to meet you, um, help you any way that we can. And also, um, if you're not from around here, you can join us online. We stream our services on Sunday and you can join us there and you can go to the same place and learn about that and fill out that connect card and just let us know that you're listening. In any way that we can pray for you, help you, we would love to. Again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at the Grove Church and thank you for joining us.